Welcome to Reading Genesis. My name is Stephen Longclaw. I'm a priest serving in the Anglican Church in North America and also a United States Navy chaplain. Join me as we discover the sacramental and enchanted world of the Bible through Reading Genesis together. I believe we're in Genesis 27. Yes? Are you, con- are you con- confirming that? Yes, Genesis 27. Genesis has 50 chapters, so we are about halfway through. The latter part of Genesis is all about the story of Joseph. Joseph is the son of Jacob. Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. So we are about halfway through seeing what God uh, has in store for this family and through this family for the entire world. So let's begin in Genesis chapter 27. Let's, uh, Let's begin actually with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into it. Lord, we thank you for this time to come together and study your word. We pray you would bless us now as we open your scriptures. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we looked at Isaac traveling down and staying uh, with the uh, with Abimelech's people. He, if you remember, he, he had told the people that his wife, Rebecca, was his sister so that they would not take her for their own. Um, they find out and God protects them. Then Isaac is sent away from Abimelech because he becomes very rich. He's very blessed by the Lord, becomes very rich. Um, Abimelech sends him away, and then Abimelech and and uh, Gerar and Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, uh, go to meet them. They live in Gerar, and, and they go to meet Isaac and ask them to make a covenant a treaty with them. To which Isaac agrees. Isaac shows them hospitality. And at the very end of chapter 26, we read that Esau was 40 years old when he took Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So we see Esau is a man ruled by his passions. Esau takes the women he wants to take. As we saw a couple chapters ago, Esau eats the food that he wants to eat without any concern for following God's law. That's important because that is going to play into what we see tonight in chapter 27. So let's continue. Genesis 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Let's pause there. Isaac is an old man. Isaac has gone blind in his old age. And I want you to see how he how he approaches death. We've seen that Isaac is a righteous man. Isaac is, is a good man, a, a man who fears God. If you remember, uh, we, we saw that Isaac was in the field medita- meditating and praying when Abraham's servant brought Rebekah to him. Uh, that shows that he's a man of prayer. Isaac was the one who was, when he was a young lad, as a teenager, was offered on the altar with his father Abraham, and God stayed Abraham's hand at the last time. So, uh, and in that story, we do not see Isaac resisting his dad, but being completely obedient to the will of Abraham and the will of God. 
Uh, so there's these little snapshots we get throughout Isaac's life that he's a very, a very godly man. As he approaches the end of his life, see how he prepares for death. He's not afraid. He's not uh, unsure about what death is going to bring. Rather, he is putting his affairs in order. Um, this is how godly people approach death. We put our affairs in order. We, uh, we, we make sure that the blessings are given out to the appropriate people and, and everything that needs to be done. Um, but he is, he's not at all afraid of death. He's, 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 he's not fearful in any way. He tells his son Esau to go into the field, to go hunting, and to bring back some game for him. He, he loves to eat from Esau's meat. And so he wants to have a nice meal, and then he's going to bless Esau. Verse 5, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me a delicious meal that I may eat it and bless you before Yahweh, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Stop there. So Rebecca hatches a plan. Her plan is she is she's uh, sends Jacob to go to the flocks, kill some animals, bring them in. She's going to cook them. And Jacob will present these animals as if he were Esau, having come back from the hunt. And in that way, Jacob will receive the blessing rather than Esau receiving the blessing. All right. Now, <laughs> what are we to think about this story? This is, a, this is an interesting ethical dilemma that the, the scriptures sometimes give us these, these questions. And it becomes very hard and difficult stories to interpret. Like, what do we do with this story, right? There's a lot of different ways that this has been interpreted. Uh, the early church tend to see that what Rebecca and Jacob are doing here is righteous and correcting uh, one of Isaac's flaws. If you remember, we read earlier in the story that Isaac loved Esau because Isaac ate from Esau's game. Rebecca loved Jacob. So a lot of the, uh, the, the interpreters and theologians from the early church actually see this as a good thing that Rebecca is picking up Isaac's slack because the promise has been given that the older shall serve the younger, right? Remember, we read that back in Genesis, what is it, 23, I believe? <clears throat> Excuse me, Genesis 25. Genesis 25, verse 23, the Lord said to her, that is Rebecca, two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. This is when the boys, the twins, even in Rebecca's womb, were fighting each other. They've been fighting each other their whole life, and that started in the womb. So the older will serve the younger. That's the, that's the prophecy given by God to Rebecca. The early church sees this as Rebecca is correcting Isaac's flaw and that Isaac is about to bless Esau rather than blessing 
Jacob. Sort of Rebecca stepping in and saying, it's supposed to be this way. God said it's going to be this way. And I need to step in and correct my, my husband's oversight in this area. So the early church interprets this as, as Rebecca and Jacob being righteous. A lot of modern interpreters take the exact opposite interpretation. And they say, well, look, they're lying. They're concocting deceitfulness. And deceitfulness is always wrong. How are we left to interpret this? As we go through this, I will share with you my interpretation. I tend to side with the early church on this. I don't side with everything, of course, that, that a lot of the people from the early church say, but I, I find their interpretation quite compelling for reasons that we will see. So let's continue reading. Verse 14. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her oldest son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the she and she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So when he went in to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. So Jacob is telling him an outright lie, right? I am Esau, your firstborn. Now, curiously, uh, St. Augustine interprets this not as a lie, but as Jacob telling the truth because Esau had sold his birthright to Jacob. So by Jacob saying, I am Esau, your son, he's te technically not lying because according to now the birthright, he is in the place of Esau now. That's how, that's how Augustine sees it, which I, I find fascinating. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because Yahweh your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Let's stop. Throws him totally into confusion. It throws him into confusion. And, and notice how he responds to him when he and when Isaac asks Jacob how he was able to accomplish this so, so fast. I mean, Esau's still out there hunting, right? And Isaac is just... Yeah, it takes a while for this whole thing to come together. I, or Esau's still out, out hunting, whereas Jacob killed some animals that were right there in the animal pen, and, he, and he's serving them up. So Isaac rightly has some suspicions. Like, oh, what's going on? This, this takes time to go on a hunt. And notice how Jacob responds. Uh, it is in verse 20. He answered, because Yahweh, your God, granted me success, which I find interesting. Not Yahweh my God, but Yahweh or Yahweh our God or Yahweh God, but Yahweh your God granted me success, which, which may suggest that uh, Jacob is not as uh, faithful to God as, is, as, as he could be. I'm not saying that is what the text suggests. I just want to point that out because I do find that interesting. So, so, so that might be you know, a point for the modern interpreters. <laughs> Verse 22, so Jacob went near his father Isaac who felt him and said, 
This voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed them. He said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See the smell of my son. It is the smell of a field that, the, that Yahweh has blessed. So we'll pause there. Isaac is still suspicious at this point. He's already eaten the food. He's drunk the wine. He pulls him close to give him a big hug and he smells him. And he says, oh, this smells like Esau, right? Esau must have a very particular smell <laughs> that, uh, that gets on his garments and he's out in the field all the time. So that's what Isaac smells when he pulls, Jacob's, when he pulls Jacob close. So then he gives him the blessing. Now, remember, this blessing is Isaac's blessing intended for Esau. This is what he says. Verse 28. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Let's pause there. That last line, curse be everyone who curses you and bless be everyone who blesses you, is a callback to the promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Let me read that promise again. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, so you hear that similarity? When people dishonor you, I will curse them. And we see Isaac saying the same thing to Jacob, thinking it's Esau. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Isaac is intentionally thinking that the covenant that was bestowed on Abraham, that has traveled from Abraham now to Isaac, he is bestowing that, that God-given covenant onto the person who he thinks is Esau. He is giving the covenant to Esau right here, but he's actually giving the covenant to Jacob. Let me ask you, is that problematic? Well, let me ask you. Yeah. The fact that he's giving it to the wrong person, does that negate, that should negate the blessing or the whatever you just called right. it? Right. So, it should negate it because it wasn't meant for him, it was meant for the other guy. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Yeah, that's, 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 I'm, I'm glad you picked up, up on that. All right, so Isaac is intentionally blessing the wrong kid according according to god's promise given to rebecca the older shall serve the younger uh according to what what we'll see later in scripture now we, we don't want to read later scripture back into this but in this particular circumstance we can just to give us an understanding of the kind of person esau was we read in hebrews that esau was a man filled with his own passions and kind of a wild donkey of a man we read uh in places like Romans, that God loved Jacob, but rejected Esau. Um, and we talked about that before, exactly what that means. Isaac is really out of step here. He should be giving the blessing to Jacob. But Isaac loves Esau more. 
Isaac loves Esau because he eats of his game. And that's, that's a good, that's an important lesson for us to remember. Isaac, I believe, is a holy man, a righteous man. We've, we've seen Isaac, uh, snapshots of Isaac many times in his life where, where he does the thing that a holy man does. He is blessed in the ways that holy people are blessed. Here, however, he's making a huge miss. He's, 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 this, is, this, is, this is a mistake, a mistake, a, a literal mistake, right? It's a, this is a misstep on Isaac's part. He's actually going against God's will here. The lesson, I think, to be learned for that is one sin can undo a great person. And we're going to see in a moment that Isaac is undone by this, by this sin of preference. So what's the sin, right? The sin is he prefers one son to the other. He, he, he shows favoritism to Esau rather than favoritism to Jacob. And because of that, he's unable to give the covenant or pass the covenant on to Jacob like God wanted. We see this theme playing out several times in scripture where we'll have these great holy men who do amazing things, but they have just kind of one gnawing problem in their life and, and they're undone by it. Uh, perhaps David might be our greatest example. You know, David is a mighty man of God, a man of great valor. Scripture even says that he is a man after God's own heart. But David has a problem with women. David collects a few wives, which he should not do. Uh, David, we, we see David even at one point has a harem of concubines, which he should not have. And let's just be honest, what a concubine is, a concubine is a sex slave. It's a, it's a person used to gratify one's sexual desires, possibly also to, to have children with, with, with that person. But primarily they are a sex slave. And he had a harem of women who were this for him, right? In every other way, in every other way, David was a righteous man, but he had this one problem. He had a lust problem. He had a problem with when it came to women. And that's the sin that undoes him, isn't it? He eventually chases after Bathsheba. He fornicates with her, he commits adultery with her, and she gets pregnant. The way he covers up the pregnancy is he has to have Uriah, her husband, killed. So we have... Yeah, yep, yep. He commits adultery, he commits a murder to have the adultery covered up, and then he lies about it. It's a huge, a whole, I mean, this is the stuff that, that, that would make the headlines today, right? If this blew up, I mean, there'd be, there'd be all kinds of Supreme Court hearings and everything else having to do with, 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 with fixing this, this huge government scandal. And he just covers it all up because he's the king and he can do that. But God sees it. The child it. died, didn't he? That child died. The child did die. Yeah, the child did die. Uh, but God sees this and it's because of this sin that God takes the kingdom away from him. Well, he does take the kingdom away from him, but eventually the, the kingdom falls apart because of this sin. Solomon ends up ruling after, after David, but even then there was, there was a problem with David's oldest son who wanted to take over. It, 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 anyway, it just caused a huge family problem all throughout David's life. But David was faithful and repented of his sins. That's what Psalm 51 is. It's his great prayer of repentance after that event. I encourage you to read it tonight. So David is still a man after God's own heart, not because he's perfect, but because he's a man of great repentance. When he makes huge mistakes, he repents greatly. 
even near the end of his life, after he comes back into the kingdom, he was exiled for a while, but after he comes back into the kingdom, he puts away the harem of, of concubines. And that shows that he's healing from his sex addiction, his, his, his lust problem. He takes all those women. He never visits them again, meaning that's what the... <laughs> Read between the lines. He never visits them again, meaning he doesn't use them for those purposes anymore. But he makes sure that they are well taken care of. You know, he, he makes sure that, that they are they, they, that they have the food that they need, that they have the money that they need. He makes sure these women are taken care of, but he, he no longer uses them for his own purposes anymore. So he honors them in, in, in his old life. You know, so that shows that David is, over, is able to overcome this sin and, and recover from this sin, repent of this sin, and grow from this sin. But it's still the sin that almost completely undoes him and almost completely undoes his whole kingdom. But I'm not teaching on David tonight. That's just an example, right? There's often times with great men, even like Isaac, there's one sin or one issue or one thing that can undo a person. And that is, that is important for us to remember, that we need to, to, uh, to be very vigilant in searching out our own hearts so that we can root out the sinfulness that, that lurks in our own hearts, repent of that sin, and, and grow, and grow, grow from that repentance. Isaac prefers Esau to Jacob, and so Isaac goes against God's will, and he blesses whom he thinks is Esau, but it's actually Isaac. Verse 30. Here's the fallout from all this. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Let's pause there. Let's recap everything that we've seen. <laughs> Esau comes in. He's got his food. He's coming from the hunt. He's prepared it. He gives it to Isaac. And Isaac says, whoa, hold on. I already ate. Someone came in here pretending to be you, and they took your blessing. And Esau is furious. What the text says, as Isaac's response to this whole thing of, of, of discovering that there's been some deceit, as it says in Hebrew, it's, uh, or from the ESV, the English, which translates the Hebrew, says he trembled violently, which is an interesting way to put it. In the Greek version, the Septuagint, it could be translated as amazed or astonished, which doesn't necessarily have the connotation of Isaac afraid that something bad has happened, but he's more just kind of overwhelmed by the whole situation. That's important for, or, 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 for or, a reason that I'll make clear in just a moment. So Esau hears this and he is angry. He is mad. And he even says, is his name not rightly Jacob? So Jacob means heel catcher or sometimes translated deceiver. But I, th I think a better way to translate it is, is tripper. As like if you grab someone's heel, you're tripping them. 
right? If you remember when Esau was born, Jacob comes out right after Esau holding onto his heel. So they, they call him heel catcher or tripper. Uh, and so Jacob is tripping up Esau again. Uh, notice what Esau says. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? This is verse 36. For he cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Is that true? Did Jacob cheat Esau out of the birthright? He did not. He did not cheat Jacob. He did not cheat Esau out of the birthright. So here we see Esau's overreacting and he's being controlled by his anger and his passions, right? What Jacob actually did, if you remember the story, is Jacob entered into a negotiation with Esau over some red stew and Esau completely agreed to the terms. So there was no cheating going on there. Esau sold his birthright to Isaac for a horrible price, you know, <laughs> a bowl of stew, but, but Esau agreed to it. So he wasn't cheated out of it. He agreed to it. But, he, but looking back on it, he's angry and he's like, oh, he did this to me once and he did it to me again. He's a cheater and I hate him. He's taking away my blessing now. All right. So let's go back to, to Sandra's question about, about the blessing, right? Isaac blessed the wrong kid, or at least he, he had an intention to bless Esau, but he accidentally blessed Jacob. What are we left to do with that? We have to remember that these blessings aren't like magical incantations, right? It's not like, well, I already gave the blessing and I can't take it back because it's out there now. Now, that's not how this works. Right. Isaac could very easily call Jacob in and call Esau and he could scold Jacob and say, I can't believe you did this. You know, you deceived me. Everything that I, that I blessed you for was meant for Esau and I'm giving it to Esau instead, right? But Isaac doesn't do that. Isaac doesn't do that. Why does Isaac not do that? I think the answer is because Isaac in this moment realizes, yes, he was deceived by Jacob, but he also realizes that he was wrong. Isaac realizes I was in the wrong. Jacob came in and took your blessing from you. And he was right to do that because it should have gone to him according to the will of God. And this is all from the mind of Rebecca, right? Rebecca's the one who hatched this whole plan. There's a, a wonderful scene in the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Have, have y'all seen the movie? It's, it's a great, great movie. And then there's this hilarious scene where the main character's mother is this this old Greek lady, and she's and the uh, the, the mom's talking to Tula, who's who's the main character, her daughter, and uh, and mom says, Tula, you need to realize something. Men are the head of the family, but the woman is the neck, and she can turn that head to go any which way she wants it to turn. <laughs> I heard that before, but I didn't see the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a great it's a great scene. I think that's kind of what Rebecca's doing here. She hatches this plan to help Isaac figure out what he should have done in the first place. You have to remember, Isaac is very rich. Isaac has many servants. They don't live in a house proper, right? They live in tents. They, they, these are old, old nomadic people li living in the country. When, when Isaac initially tells Esau, hey, go out and get some food for me and let me eat of your game, Rebecca is providentially right outside the tent and overhears this conversation. She could have been anywhere. She could have been talking with one of the servants. She could have been tending to this thing over there. She could have been doing anything in their little village, but she just so happens to be right there to overhear the conversation that Isaac has with Esau. Now, I think that's God's will. 
I think God led her to be in that right there in that moment at that particular time so that, that she could get ahead of the situation and keep Isaac from blessing the wrong kid. We've seen other things in the Bible. Again, we're going to use David as our, as our example here. We've seen other places in the Bible where you have to use deceit to bring someone around. After David's great sin with Bathsheba, and he smugly thinks he got away with it all, God sends Nathan the prophet to win David back to repentance. If you remember the story that Nathan tells David, it is a bold-faced lie. Nathan says, David, you need to know something. Being the king of Israel, you need to know that there's been a great injustice done in your, in, 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 in your lands. A man who had a young ox, I think it was, or a young cow, a, a, a young ox, raised it from birth. This man had nothing. He and his family had nothing. They're dirt poor, but they have this one ox and they raised it from birth. And this is their family ox and they love it so much. His neighbor is a rich man. This rich man who has wealth and money and all kinds of oxen and all kinds of sheep and everything else that you could think of, he throws a party for his friend. Instead of killing one of his animals, he slaughters his neighbor's ox and uses that for his party. David is outraged. David says, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that great injustice has been done in my lands. That man must die for this injustice. And that's when Nathan turns right to him and says, you, David, you are the man who has done this thing. You did this by taking Bathsheba and then killing Uriah to cover this all up. See, it wouldn't have worked if Nathan had just gone to David and said, hey, FYI, God knows what you did with Bathsheba. God knows what you know. It wouldn't have worked that way. God, God knew that David ne needed to be enraged at this other injustice first and then told, actually, that other injustice is your injustice that you've done. That's what sank in with David. So back to our story in Genesis 27. I had mentioned in verse 33 that the Septuagint translates the, the greatly trembled as amazed or astonished. I think that is the moment where Isaac realizes that he has been tricked, he has been deceived, but it all sort of clicks in his mind that he has been deceived for righteous reasons, if we could even say that. He's been deceived uh, so that he doesn't give the covenant to the wrong kid. And Esau freaks out and, uh, and is very angry because of it. So continuing on in verse 37. Actually, let's back up. Yeah, so, so Esau says to Isaac, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Verse 37. Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Not the best of blessings, is it? Kind of harsh. Verse 41, now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. 
So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send you and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? In a verse, chapter 28, I'll just read into the next part of chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him and said, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your brother's mother. And he sends him off with another blessing. So here we see again, <laughs> Rebecca is that Isaac is the head, but Rebecca, the wife, is the neck that can turn the head any which way she needs it. So, so she she comes to Isaac with a plea. She doesn't say, "Send Isaac away because Jacob." Or excuse me, she doesn't come to Isaac and say, "Send Jacob away because Esau wants to kill him." Rather, she comes to him and says, "Oh." These Canaanite women, I just can't stand them. If you remember, Esau married a couple of Hittite girls. It's like, oh, they just they just make my life so bitter. What are we to do with this? And Isaac picks up the hint and he says, you know what? We should probably send Jacob away. We don't want him marrying one of these Canaanite women like Esau did. <laughs> and of course, Rebecca's like, hey, that's a great idea. Isaac, yeah, let's do that. So Isaac is sent away. He is sent to, uh, to Rebecca's family. And uh, we'll pick up that story next week of Jacob getting sent to Laban. But let's let's back up. Let's let's back up and and ponder ponder this chapter a little bit more because it is an odd and strange chapter. I want to look at for just a moment the blessing that is actually given to to Jacob, the one intended for Esau, but is actually given to Jacob. Back in verse twenty eight, this blessing is a little too pregnant. A little too big to only be about Jacob. Let's read it. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So there's some interesting things here that can apply to Jacob, but you could tell there's... Just, it's a little too big to only be about Jacob. So we see, may God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Okay, that's, that's pretty simple. May, may you be greatly blessed and wealthy. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Now, as we continue in our story, we will not see a lot of nations bowing down to Isaac. Excuse me, a lot of nations bowing down to Jacob. Later, Jacob's going to run back into Esau, and Jacob is the one doing the bowing, not Esau. At the very end of our story, uh, when we get when the Israelite people end up in Egypt, Jacob is brought with his twelve sons to Egypt, and and if I if memory serves me right, the Egyptian Pharaoh bows down to him as a sign of respect. But this is not nations bowing down to him as if Jacob is the king of all nations. So that's interesting. What's going on there? We continue to read, Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons, plural, bow down to you. Now, your mother would be Rebecca. Her sons, plural, would be only Esau. So why is it pluralized? Why not your mother's son bow down to you? 
unless he means by your mothers, your foremothers, right? Your mothers like Sarah and going back forth and all the nations that come from them, which is a possible interpretation, but it's still just a little, little too big for just Jacob. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This blessing is given to Jacob. It is expanded to Jacob's whole family, the Israelite people. They carry this blessing with him. But really, as we've learned with the, uh, the promise given to Abraham and the seed that will come with him or come from him, this is really about Jesus. This has some, some Jesus tone, some Christological, uh, some Christological echoes to it. So when we read this about Christ, this makes this this fits a little bit better about about Jesus. May God give you the dew of the heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Jesus himself said before he went up into heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 29, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. We read in the New Testament that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and of those under the earth will bow down to Jesus. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So while this is for Jacob primarily, and then it's expanded to the, to the people that come from Jacob, the Israelites, this finds its fullest fulfillment in the person of Jesus, who also will come from the seed of Jacob. This is one of those messianic promises from the Old Testament about Jesus. And it's important that, that we read these, these old stories, these, uh, these early stories, and, and honestly, these odd stories in Genesis as stories that are pointing forward to the Messiah, stories that are pointing forward to Jesus. Because if we don't read it with Christological glasses on, then we just read it as a weird sort of family, family problem. Wow, this is a really messed up family, isn't it? At times, yes. <laughs> At times, Genesis is honest about the patriarchs, which I do appreciate. Uh, they do some weird things, and, and they're, they are uh, far from being perfect. Uh, though, though they are, are righteous and holy, they're, they're certainly not perfect, right? We see this in the story of, of Isaac. Isaac is, is by no means perfect, uh, wanting to show favoritism to Esau. But thankfully, he has a, a good woman uh, in, the, in, in Rebecca, a good wife, who is able to step in front of Isaac's blunder and catch it before he, he blunders and, and blesses the wrong kid. I'm going to stop there and open the floor for questions. Any thoughts, questions, or anything with this story at all? Kind of answered the question I was asked. What? Well, what was it? Don't the Rebecca and Isaac know that, that he has the birthright? <laughs> so it's like... Your question is a good one about the birthright. So they both know this. So let's give the prayer to the one that has it now. Exactly, and again, that that, that shows Isaac's blunder. Yeah. Uh, the exchange of the birthright between Isaac, excuse me, between Jacob and Esau over the red stew would 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 be common knowledge to this people of this culture. Like, who's going to inherit everything? Like, Jacob's not playing that close to the chest. Yeah. He's he, he's not being like, "Ooh, I got a surprise for everyone when that day comes." No, Isaac's about to pass away. You know, Isaac's getting his affairs in order. Everyone would know, hey, I feel like he would Jacob's be... the one that's got the birthright. It's not Esau. And here, Isaac, against the cultural norm, I mean, it's a culturally norm that the oldest would, would get everything. But it would also be widely known in, amongst these people that 
that Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. We all know this, right? He doesn't want the birthright. Be doing some of the jobs and you know assisting his dad, running you know the family because he's getting old, so he can't do everything. Yeah, that's right. Be in those meetings and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like (laughs) that's and and that's a good point. Jacob would already be stepping in and, and fulfilling some of those duties in place of his dad. Where's Esau? Esau's out hunting. Hunted, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's not he's not a responsible guy. He's a man that's ruled by his passions, as he's proved over and over and over again. The good news is Esau doesn't stay that way. Eventually, eventually Esau's going to drop out of the story and then come back, and we'll see that he's he's a changed man. But as of now, he's a man ruled by his passions. All right. Well, let's close with a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you for this time to come together and study your word. We pray that as we leave, that you would protect us, and we pray that you would strengthen us in all that we do this week to love you with our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me in Reading Genesis. If you'd like to contact me, I'm available at reading.genesis.podcast at gmail.com. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.